FOMO. My name's Patrick McGinnis, and I'll admit it, I have FOMO. And since you're here, I'm going to bet that you do too. But that doesn't have to be a bad thing. If you learn to channel your FOMO productively, you can make the most of every opportunity while keeping your sanity in the process. This is FOMO Sapiens After Hours, the snackable show about how you can make FOMO a force for good. Hey there, FOMO Sapiens. Welcome back. Now today, I want to reflect on a conversation that I had last week with the wonderful Stacy Madison, founder of Stacy's Pita Chips and Be Bold Bars. I cannot get enough saying that. And I have some in my freezer right now, which I have been taking out on my road trips on my bike. I got a new bike, as some of you know. If you don't know about my bike, go to Instagram at Patrick J. McGinnis. And if you follow my stories, you will see me. I'm wearing the... <laughs> I never thought I'd be that guy. All the spandex. Rafa, spandex, in fact, because, you know, if you're going to go big, go, you, you just got to go big, go big or go home. And uh, anyway, so I've been enjoying those bars on my trips. They're awesome, actually. I really like them. So thanks, Stacey, for that. But in our conversation, what I really loved, the thing that resonated with me the most was when we talked about how Stacey came up with the idea for the Be Bold bars. And she had opened this juice bar that was kind of her laboratory. It was her laboratory to discover new products, test them out on people and see if the people like them. And I just love that. And we talked about that. And in fact, it was weird. The the recording actually broke at that point and Stacey fell off of the of the recording on our on our software. And she came back and she was like, oh, I'm so frustrated. This was a really good part of the conversation. And so we had to sort of start over again and edit it in and everything, but it's all there for you to enjoy. So go check that out. But I will tell you that I just like that because I believe that entrepreneurship is about running everything like a lab to find new ideas, to refine ideas, and to make sure that things work and then pivot if they don't. And I've seen this a bunch of times in my own career. Obviously, Stacy's example is a good one. And for myself, uh, I was actually, I've been on the board of a company now for a very long time, like more than 10 years that I invested in back in my corporate days at AIG Capital Partners. And it was call center business and, you know, company with clients like Apple and, you know, big telecom companies and stuff like that. But our CEO is Yatrishti, who, you know, his claim to fame besides this is the fact that he invented Invisalign braces. So if you've ever had those braces, Zia is your guy. He figured out that, you know, we had this call center business, but he realized that actually the routing of the callers to the agents was very lousy. And that if we actually could figure out the best way to match a caller to an agent, you could actually produce a much better outcome. And so he designed a software, he coded it himself. And that business uh, that, that he created out of that spun out, it's now called Affinity. It's raised a bunch of money. You can Google it, A-F-I-N-I-T-I. -I -I. It's, I would you know say, a very valuable company. I can't put any numbers out there because I'm an investor myself. And so you know it's not appropriate because it's private, but it's a, it's a wonderful company. It's created a great project. And our call centers were the laboratory to figure out what the problem was and then test the solution. So again, the laboratory, really powerful. Another example, you know, oftentimes you've heard me talk about a company called Ipsy. My friend Marcelo Camberos is the founder and uh, I'm an early investor in that one, thankfully. And he and I had this business beforehand that I wrote about in the 10% Entrepreneur called Real Influence. We were trying to get YouTube influence to promote things. So these early, you know, YouTube influencers, we're talking like the year 2011 when, you know, it was still kind of new. There was none of this influencer stuff we have today. I mean, I sound like an old man now, but it's just true. And we were trying to get people to promote things on their social media channels. And I'll tell you something, it was really hard 
And so in that process, Marcelo, using that sort of company as a laboratory, discovered that we could get influencers to promote beauty products. He partnered with a woman called Michelle Fan, started a company, which again, I thankfully was an investor in. And now that company is doing more than a billion dollars in sales. So whoa. Um, but he used the company that we had been working on. It was his company. I was just an advisor and was helping out a bit, but he learned as much as he could, figured out the problems, figured out the opportunities and launched Ipsy. So he used the company like a laboratory to go to the next thing. And so those are great examples that I, that I love. And so I've just kind of come up with my four ways that you can build an entrepreneurial laboratory. Okay. How do you do this yourself in your life? And you don't have to be running a call center business or any other kind of company to do this. You can just start to think about, you know, really how you, how you can look around the world, the world that you live in and find opportunities to test things out and try them and build something big. So the first thing is, you know, anytime you try an entrepreneurial idea, just, you know, this is kind of an obvious point, but I'm going to make it. Figure out what works and what doesn't. And that is, it sounds obvious, right? You're like, okay, Patrick, thanks for that. Like, you know, <laughs> didn't need to listen to four minutes and 41 seconds of a podcast to get that out of his head, but you did because so few people actually do that. So few people stop to evaluate how things are going. And that's how you end up with people who have an idea they work on for years that never goes anywhere. So as you go along, set goals, set metrics, and then measure yourself against them. And if things aren't going right, ask yourself what is working and what isn't because that's gonna inform you your next step. Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, or delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you improve efficiency by bringing all major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. And with rising prices everywhere you look, you got to do the math and save money. Good news. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. So head over to NetSuite.com slash FOMO. That's NetSuite.com slash FOMO. NetSuite.com slash FOMO. And your next step is think bigger. Maybe you had some idea to develop a business. Like, for example, what uh, the first idea that Marcelo has, which is like matching up influencers with brands to promote them. He thought bigger. He's like, I have an idea. Why don't I just take, choose one vertical, choose one sort of small set of influencers. And instead of trying to make a marketplace where we match the influencer to the products, why don't we actually create a permanent channel whereby this influencer just keeps selling and selling and selling and we start offering them products and it's basically like a monthly subscription and we get a subscription revenue. He thought much, much bigger and look what happened. He went to a much higher value segment of the market where he could make a lot more money because subscribers, like the thing about having subscribers is that they pay you in advance. So when you raise money, if you have to raise money, you need far less. And in fact, that's the crazy thing about all these subscription businesses is like they can grow from zero to hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue without raising a lot of money because their subscribers are their investors in a sense. The subscribers are financing the growth of the business. So that's that's just a good place to be. And again, it's just about thinking bigger and trying to figure out where is the value here and how do I move from the part that's hard and maybe where there's not a lot of value to the part where it's maybe 
maybe just as hard, but there's a lot more value to extract for the business. The next one is run a lot of tests, and if they don't work, figure out a way to pivot. Okay, so learn from the test. And this is The Lean Startup. If you haven't read The Lean Startup, it's by Eric Reese. It's a great book. When I read that, it like blew my head up. I almost, you know, I've, people probably looked at me and thought like, why is that guy's head steaming? Because I was reading the book and it was sort of like, I always thought before I read the book and having, you know, been a venture capitalist early on in my career, it's like, well, you need to just take a ton of money and then like try to solve a problem. And if it fails, then you go bankrupt. Eric Reese and his Lean Startup model is like, no, try to solve a problem, make small bets, make small investments, and then learn and then pivot change, do other things, try something else, you know, that experimental mindset, the laboratory mindset. And so, you know, that's the thing to do. If you think about so many entrepreneurs, I mean, you don't have to be, by the way, again, running a day-to-day -day business. You could be working on a project like that you're, say, for example, you are baking cookies and selling them uh, at the farmer's market on the weekend, right? Great. Well, guess what? You can test other things. Maybe I try another food product. Maybe I pair this with something. Maybe I try catering. Like all these ideas to scale your business and to get into new areas, you know, that you can run tests on all the time. And the great thing is, for example, if you're doing that is you are actually selling your product every week to real customers. Um, and that is an amazing way to learn. You know, I, a couple of years ago, I had Kathy Heller on the show. Uh, she had a, 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 she has a podcast that many of you probably listen to called Don't Keep Your Day Job, which is kind of the opposite of the 10% entrepreneur, but we figured out a way to agree. But that's her whole thing. She talks about in her book of the same title. It's like, if you're trying to test your cake company, like try to sell cakes down the corner at the yoga store uh, or studio and, and see what people think and what they buy and what they don't buy and what they like and what they don't. And so and if they don't like something or you learn or pivot, change, take what you learn and go in a different direction. And finally, number four, because I said there were four, and I want to end with one that is a classic moment from the FOMO Sapiens library, which is that, you know, recognize that where you start and where you end may be very different. And uh, end of season four of FOMO Sapiens, I had Dr. Christian Bush on the show. Now, Dr. Christian Bush, professor at NYU, he is an author as well. He's the author of this book about serendipity, okay? And his book talks about the fact that the uh, the pill Viagra was basically was some other pill, and then every time they gave it to men to test it, they would have this side effect, which was, you know, the reason why it was good for Viagra. Now, Christian on the show called it Viagra, and I was like, what is Viagra? And then I realized, oh, Viagra. So he's German. That's how they pronounce things. But the serendipity mindset talks about that story. We talk about it on the pod. And it is true. You may set up to build uh, a, a company or come up with a pill that helps people with, I don't know, like headaches, and it may end up helping them with something very different. And so just remember Viagra, Viagra, how you pronounce it, is a great case study for that. All right, that is the four. Remember, it's figure out where you fail and where you succeed. Ask yourself those questions. Number two, think bigger. Three, run, test, and pivot. And four, recognize where you start is not necessarily where you're going to end up. All right, that is the end of another episode of After Hours. I love the episode with Stacey. If you haven't heard it, then you should go back and listen to it and then listen to it again because it'll be much more relevant to you. And uh, with that, I'm going to say goodbye. Thanks so much for listening. You can find me on Instagram at Patrick J. McGinnis. You can find me on Twitter at PJ McGinnis. And you can always find me via email at letsconnect at patrickmcginnis.com. Until next week, take care of yourselves. FOMO Sapiens. FOMO. Want more of FOMO Sapiens and After Hours? Head over to FOMOSapiens.com where you can listen to past episodes, learn more about the show, and find out how to advertise. FOMO.
You can also connect with me on Instagram at Patrick J. McGinnis and on Twitter at PJ McGinnis. 